feels like one of those weeks where ranked teams fall because they play too tense. A a week where the momentum and the moment, it's just all too much for them to handle. And I think we're going to see some teams get bit this week. Welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, joined across the way by Trey Reeves. Trey, it's a loaded slate of action tonight. We're actually recording this a night early as the uh, college football playoff is being unveiled before us. So we will be kind of reacting to this live as we're recording. Uh, We're also going to talk through everything that has to do with previewing week 11. We've got some action to talk about that's happening tonight. Uh, A lot going on, Trey. Busy day, busy week. How's it been for you? Yeah, and it's election night as we're recording this as well. So just a very busy eventful day across not just the sports landscape but the landscape of our nation so hopefully uh you got to participate in that uh two days ago as you're listening to this and you know we already you're in the future you already know what the results are so hopefully we have not descended into mass chaos so here's hoping (laughs) hoping that the chaos is left to the college football landscape not our country um but anyway we will get to all of that i tell you what it's uh It's interesting to watch some of these rankings come in live. They're unveiling 20 through 16 right now. NC State just jumped six spots along with Texas Longhorns. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tulane kind of getting disrespected, only only up two spots right now. So top um, 20 Notre Dame as well. So lots (laughs) of interesting, uh, interesting takes here in the lower (laughs) half of the rankings. It's like the committee is just like, oh, yeah, Notre Dame's kind of relevant again thrust them into the national spotlight comically their graphic obviously shows them at six and three and not ranked the previous week but sure put the fighting irish up there um we'll continue to to mention this as we go along just because obviously when you listen to this on thursday morning we want you to be up to date with all the relevant information uh but trey as we jump into today's episode and again by the way if you're new to the family welcome if you're not already following us on twitter and instagram please do so at three tech pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Question of the day, and I thought this was an interesting time to have this discussion because the the 12-team playoff is already happening. We know it's coming down the pike at us, Uh, but I've heard a lot of takes bandied about on both sides of this. So the question of the day, has this year been evidence for, against, or neither in regards to the expanded playoff? For me, I don't think it really leans either way strongly. I think, you know, we talked about the depth of elite teams this year. There's not a team in college football that is flawless this year. And in years past, we've had multiple teams that looked like they didn't have a fatal flaw. And this year, it's the exact opposite. I don't think that there's a team without a fatal flaw or there's not a team with a question without a question mark. 
um, to this point in the season. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's four undefeated teams left. I've been very clear about where I stand on where they will be uh, by the end of the uh, conference championship week. So, yeah, I don't know that you can really draw too much either way from that. I think whatever side of the argument you're on, you're pretty entrenched in your side. And I think the obvious argument against it would be people that said, oh, well, Clemson and Alabama's losses last week wouldn't matter. They would still have a very easy shot to the playoff. And, you know, while that might be true, while they might make a 12-team field, they're going to be at the bottom of that. And they're going to be playing on the road, maybe in an Ann Arbor, Michigan, maybe in um, a Columbus, Ohio, maybe somewhere in a climate that they're not used to or in a very raucous environment. We've seen from both of those teams, if you're worried about a superpower running a gauntlet, look, if a team runs a three-game gauntlet uh, with the most elite teams in the country, or even a four-game gauntlet, if they are not getting a bye, they deserve to be national champions. So I don't know what we're worried about with that. Like they, Either way, they will have proven uh, that they deserve to be national champions. Yeah, it's it's interesting because this same, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, this same argument that the regular season doesn't matter and that, oh, well, we could fluke our way into a national championship if uh, an 11 seed wins or a 12 seed wins. Um, none of those arguments ever come up in any other sport or even other divisions of college football, right? You don't hear that at the FCS level where they have an awesome playoff system. You never hear that in March Madness. Now, sure, will the TV ratings go down if you have, you know, some some no-name schools or some teams that you didn't necessarily expect to be there over the brand names, the Blue Bloods? Sure, the TV ratings might go down a little bit for the biggest games. But from a competition standpoint, I love the idea of exactly what you said. A, a team having to win three, four games in a row to become a national champion and seeing if that's possible, seeing if that can happen. And if it does, that's the best theater in sports. I don't know why yeah. we're afraid to embrace an awesome story uh, as opposed to saying, oh, well, they've lost twice, so they should be out of it. Well, look, sports has a, a redemptive arc. That's what makes all these storylines. That's what makes the season so great in the first place. You got a ton of people that are rooting for Oregon to make the playoff now out of the Pac-12. They got decimated in week one. Nobody thought they had a snowball's chance at making the playoff after getting drubbed by George in the opener. And yet here they are. You've seen the emergence of Bo Nix. He's taken on what appears to be a Heisman caliber-like form, and he's leading an improved Oregon Ducks team through the Pac-12 right now. I mean, you, you can't tell me that that's not sports in a nutshell. Well, and... You know, if you're if you're denying that someone deserves a shot at a national championship, then I mean, I know football and basketball aren't the same thing, but North Carolina played for a basketball national championship last year as an eight seed. Yeah. So mathematically, they were anywhere from the what 29th to 32nd best team in the country, according to the NCAA selection committee. So look, they they earned their way there. And if you make it to a college football playoff national championship game, be that in a four-team playoff, a six-team playoff, eight-team, 12-team, 64-team, you will have earned your way to be there. And no one can legitimately have an argument that you didn't deserve to be in that championship game. Yeah, I completely agree. So weigh in. Uh, let us know your thoughts. At 3TechPod, Instagram, Twitter. You can also email us, 3TechPod at gmail.com if you would like to be part of the conversation. 
Uh, Trey, they are getting to the top seven, which is a weird number uh, um, for the CFP rankings. I don't know why we didn't do 10 through seven and then leave the drama and suspense for one through six, but here it is. We do know that Clemson is number 10. Alabama has come in at number eight. Uh, So both teams certainly seeing a slide, a fall from grace after their losses. Clemson, Clemson's loss by far feels like the worst of the two losses. That's a good LSU team. Not to say that Notre Dame isn't a good team, but certainly not, certainly not nationally relevant as far as going to the playoff like LSU might be. Um, So with all of that, as we'll start to pepper in some of these games, let's start with our... I'm sorry, they just put the graphic up and it's just so silly looking with seven teams instead. It really really is. I'm I'm not exactly sure who engineered that. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it just it just came up on my screen. Evidently, you're a few minutes or a few seconds ahead. Um, Georgia's number one. That's no surprise. We'll wait for the graphic to populate and then we'll talk about it. But let's jump into our game of the week. Uh, It is where college game day is going. It's where all the national attention appears to be not only on the field, but off the field with recruiting now. I I don't know that I necessarily want to get into a ton of the recruiting uh, news. Yeah, it is is flip season. Plenty of time for that. TCU on the road against the Texas Longhorns. The Horns are a seven-point favorite. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Trey, that line seems really high. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I had two questions about this game for you, Mitch, and just your thoughts on this one. As it has been revealed on my screen that TCU is number four yep, in the college are. football playoff rankings. So number four, TCU, two questions. One, how shocked were you when that line came out? Because I was I was personally expecting Texas to be favored, but more in the two to three point range, like a home field advantage type favorite rather than a full touchdown. Was that a surprising line to you? I, I think so. I, I kind of expected an awkward you know, low one score game, like you said, maybe three and a half uh, in favor of the Longhorns because they are at home, they are on fire. But guys, like also, you know, TCU, they just keep proving it. At home, on the road, they found ways to win now that they are the number four seed uh, in week two of the playoff predictions. I will say that's a whole new level of pressure that comes with that. Can they rise to those expectations? We've seen a lot of teams crack that top four and immediately drop an egg. Uh, it's impossible to ignore the media storm, everyone patting you on your back, and we've seen some teams come out and and lay just logs uh, as they've played that next week. I think that line is a little, a little overinflated. I think the media is once again buying a Texas team that still has its flaws, still has not comfortably won a game in the second half that's been close. Um, they nearly blew a double-digit lead to Kansas State, needed a, a couple of fumbles late to make that win happen. That being said, though, Texas certainly being at home is a help. I like Bijan Robinson in this matchup. For me, though, I do wonder if Texas can stop the running game up front to pull away in this game. I can easily see the Texas Longhorns winning this game. I could also see TCU going on the road and proving all the haters wrong again continuing to march towards a Big 12 championship berth. Because of that, I think I'm going to take TCU plus the points, giving me two of the three outcomes. It's honestly a coin flip for me. If if I pick TCU or pick Texas, I'm going to go ahead and pick Texas to win this game 
I think that they're figuring a lot of things out at the right point. The defense is starting to play better. Um, you know, I, I just I, I feel like eventually that TCU magic has to run out. You you said on the last show that none of these undefeated teams will last the season undefeated. I think this is where we could see TCU fall. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I guess my follow-up question to that for you is, is this Sark's biggest game uh, in his Texas career up to this point? Because I think it is. I think you take all, everything into account. You take the hype that Texas is starting to get um, from starting to roll through that Big 12 schedule a little bit. Sitting there at 6-3, and three, there's a couple different directions that this season could go down the stretch. It could be uh you know if they went out they have a shot at 10 wins in a second year and that is a huge huge boost to recruiting what you're talking about that's a huge boost in confidence and sark it kind of silences the doubters a little bit but you know if they lose to tcu this week no shame in losing to tcu but what we've seen from texas in the past is play a close hard-fought game against a really really good opponent an opponent with a low number next to their name and then follow that up with just not showing up the next couple weeks so if he wants to prove that this is different and his program has turned a corner, this is a huge, huge opportunity with a ton of recruits in the house, with a ton of eyeballs on this game. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity against an in-state rival. So just looking at the game itself, you've got a couple quarterbacks that are kind of heading in opposite directions for me. I think Max Duggan has proven himself to be a stable, reliable quarterback that's going to put up a lot of points. And Quinn Ewers has shown flashes of that this year, but since Iowa State, it's been really, really inconsistent with interceptions, inaccuracy, and just Mm -hmm. a lot of question marks, especially in the second half of ballgames. So it's really going to come down to that second half. TCU has just been absolutely dominant in the second half of games this year. And of Texas, 10 losses under Sark, they've led at halftime or been tied in seven of them. So man, I have no doubt that they will be leading in the first half. If you're a Longhorns fan, yeah, I don't know. We might expect a two-score lead at halftime, but whether or not they can finish that and whether or not they can hold off just a furious frog rally that is absolutely going to come is remains to be seen. Uh, to give you the top six rankings as they stand right now, they've been fully revealed. Georgia number one, Ohio State two, which is going to make Garrett furious. Uh, Michigan three, <laughs> TCU four. Sorry, Garrett, you're not here to defend yourself tonight. Uh, Tennessee is five. Oregon is six. And then LSU is the last top 10 team we hadn't mentioned there at number seven. So I think that's a very fair order. Um, I do think that, you know, Oregon, for all the lumps that they took in week one, it's very clear that the committee is rewarding their progression, is validating the fact that they have improved week over week. And yeah, if, if there's a comparison to be made, if you have a situation where you're truly having to compare blind resumes, that may factor in. I don't think it's going to inevitably keep Oregon out of the playoff if there is a real path for them to play in the postseason and if they have won the Pac-12 championship. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the only thing that's going to be tricky is if, for whatever reason, Georgia and Oregon are being compared for the last spot. Right. It's really hard, even if it's week one, to overlook a 40-something point loss when you're comparing the two teams head-to-head. So I think that's the only thing that really could come up and where that situation might bite them. But yeah, I mean, if it's them compared to any other team, you hear this in basketball a lot, talking about the hottest team in the country. If they had reeled off 11 or 12 straight wins, that's really hard to keep out of a playoff. 
I completely agree. Um, all right, well, let's keep on with the the rankings now done and dusted. Let's go ahead and move down to the biggest I'm game in the TCU SEC. plus seven, by the way. I don't know if yeah. they actually made picks in that game. Yeah, but I'm on, I'm on the Frogs. Plus. Yeah, you're on the Frogs as well. Um, another game that I think we're probably going to be on the dog here. Let's go to Ole Miss, number 11. Uh, well, the, previously they were number 11. I've actually forgotten what they I think are. they held, held Pat at number 11. Yeah, I, I think you're right. 11. I don't think, uh, yeah, that ranking just came up. Yeah, number number 11 for Ole Miss. Uh, they're taking on the Crimson Tide. Alabama, 12-point favorites in this matchup. It's a CBS game of the week, 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. Gosh, Bama just, they're not the same Bama team that that we've seen year in and year out. In fact, I know this tweet was going viral uh, over the weekend, for the first time since 2011, Alabama is playing a game without the hope of eventually getting to the national title, which is unreal to think about, that they've gone over a decade without national championship hopes, literally riding on every single game, every single insane. snap taken. Absolutely uh, just insane. An, just an unreal stat, and it's just credit to the job that Nick Saban has done building that dynasty. Questions about his you know, tenure cracks in the foundation aside, Ole Miss has everything to play for. Ole Miss still has a chance at making it to Atlanta. They need LSU to slip up, but they still very much control an element of their destiny and have more to play for than Alabama does. Question to you, does that affect the outcome in this game or is there a reason why Vegas has put this at Alabama minus 12, Alabama on the road? I think it definitely makes it a closer game than two possessions. I think Ole Miss is going to come out just extremely fired up and extremely, you know, ready to prove themselves, prove that they still belong in this discussion of top teams in college football. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how it couldn't. I, I really don't know how it couldn't. If you're a program that's used to having that standard and used to always having something to play for, we talk about the consistency of Alabama's program. It's, Largely because, yeah, every single game, one, they're getting everybody's best shot, so you have to be up for it. And two, there are real stakes in every single game. And now that those have gone away, now that it's, you know, are we going to the Sugar Bowl or are we going to the, I don't know, Citrus Bowl versus Music City Bowl or something like that? How much can they get up? How much have they bought into the rat poison of this week? And how much have they really started to doubt themselves in the direction that their team's going this year? They still have all the talent, but... Man, it's going to be really hard to overcome that just psychological advantage that Ole Miss is going to have in this game. So I'm taking the Rebels plus 12. I think it's a close game. Oxford has also, if you can call a place a house of horrors for Alabama, Oxford is that house of horrors. And yeah, I think it's just going to be a game where Ole Miss relies on what they know they can do well. They know they can run the football and they know that they're allowed. It seems like Alabama forgets that they're allowed to rely on their run game sometimes. Like, I saw a tweet from college football nerds that in the LSU game, first of all, Alabama is second in the country in yards per carry this year. And in the Alabama game, they or in the LSU game, Alabama started out running the ball really, really well. Um, but from the halfway point of the first quarter through the rest of the first half, they attempted five more rushing plays. And that's a common theme that we've seen from Bill O'Brien this year is they just forget that they're allowed to run the ball and they think it all has to rely on Bryce Young throwing to these unreliable receivers when compared to what they've had in the past. So give me the team that knows what they do well 
and relies on that really well. So I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover, and they've got a really, really good shot in my mind to outright win this one. I think Alabama stopping the run is the difference in this game. I think that's why Alabama ultimately wins. Um, I also think that Ole Miss keeps this close. I think that defense has shown the ability to fly around. Um, if they can get pass rush on on Bryce Young, you know that's that's a chance at limiting that ex, uh, that explosiveness down the field. We say this every week. Alabama does not have the playmakers at wide receiver that they've used to bludgeon the SEC West in the past. Sure, they have Jameer Gibbs and they've got an X factor in Bryce Bryce Young, but at the same time. We saw LSU not necessarily have to worry about the deep pass all game long, and as a result, they got very creative with those blitzes that they brought from all over the field. Even though they gave up over 100 yards to Gibbs, it just wasn't enough to carry Alabama to the win. I don't believe in Ole Miss's offense like I do LSU's offense, but I do think that Ole Miss is able to keep it close inside that number. Maybe they lose by 7-10. to 10. I think Alabama gets back on track in the win column, but I do think it's it's closer than that line. So give me the Rebs plus 12 as well. Uh, let's go to the ACC. Real and quick this on is, Ole Miss, just real okay. quick, and really on the Alabama defense, I think their stats might be skewed on just absolutely dominating the, you know, for lack of a better term, inept offenses that they face. Like, they shut out Utah State. They gave up only 19 to a Texas offense that had a backup quarterback. Seven to UL Monroe. Vanderbilt only scored three on them. But once they started playing offenses with a pulse, they started giving up points in bunches other than Mississippi State. So that'll be really interesting to follow. Ole Miss, their offense has a pulse. Does Alabama show that they can actually stop somebody with a pulse? Sure. Uh, okay, so to the ACC, and we've got North Carolina who still – has playoff hopes. They are one of those teams flying under the radar. They're taking on Wake Forest on the road, and it's the Demon Deacons that are favored by three and a half points, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Trey, this is a weird line at home for a team that's lost two in a row. Nothing about this makes sense, but I'm going to lean into it. I've seen this script so many times, and when I try and try and push it away, try and say no, logically, statistically, this is what should happen. I seem to get burned at least once every single week. So I have no real analysis for this. You've got Drake May, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, should be a Heisman contender, should be a top draft pick next year. North Carolina's defense has gotten a little bit better, but by no means are they you know, a, a team that I want to rely on when you're telling me you've got to stop a, an offense for, for one drive with the game on the line. And so because of that, I think Wake Forest has a get-right game. I would not have expected Wake Forest to be favored in the first place, let alone by three and a half points. So, you know, at this point, I'm going to steer into it. I'm going to take the fighting Sam Hartmans at home. Uh, give me Wake minus three and a half. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. It's going to be defense optional, truly one of those situations where the team that has the ball last might win this game just because they have the ball last and they get the field goal or touchdown to go ahead. So. I'm not expecting a lot of defense in this one. Drake May is going to carve up the Wake defense like every competent quarterback they faced has carved up the Wake defense. And I think that Sam Hartman is going to carve up the North Carolina defense. I think that it's probably going to come down to who makes fewer mistakes. Drake May has shown that he takes really, really good care of the football. 
um, throughout this whole season. He, I think he only has three interceptions on the season and 28 touchdowns or something like that. So, yeah, it's it's really going to come down to every single mistake is going to be magnified. If you have to punt, if you go three and out, if you turn the ball over on downs or have a turnover, that's just going to be that much more magnified because it's points that your offense can't score to keep up. So I think I've been more impressed in a comparison of offenses, especially lately. I've been more impressed with North Carolina than I have Wake Forest because Wake's kind of slipped off a little bit in the last few weeks. Um, for whatever reason, they just haven't been as consistent over the last few weeks, and it's resulted, you know, they had the eight turnover outburst against uh, Louisville. They really got shut down for a better part of the game against NC State last week and lost to a backup quarterback. UNC has a lot to play for. Wake Forest is playing for pride and bowl positioning at this point. I'm going to take them in the points, three and a half. I think that they get it done on the road and really give us a lot to talk about going into next week. This, I'm wondering if this is one of those situations that I alluded to off the top where a team comes out on the road, potentially a hostile environment. They've certainly got more to play for, all the pressure, and that lets the other team come out and play fast and loose. And, you know, you mentioned Drake May. He's very good with the football. If if he tenses up, if he's not, you know, ready for the moment and turns the ball over a couple times, Oh man, watch Wake Forest put the pedal to the metal and win by 21. Like, right, that's that's, that's kind- certainly yeah, that's certainly on the table. And this is a rivalry game. Like people forget that these yeah. are this is a rivalry game. So yeah. um the four North Carolina schools do not like each other. And when any of those four play each other, it is <laughs> certainly cause for you know throwing the records out the window. But sure. yeah, I mean, but if you're telling me pick a quarterback that's more likely to make a mistake, especially recently. Yeah. I'm going with Sam Hartman because he. What about the six get, turnover third quarter would make you think that? I, I don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just can't get his performance in Louisville, Kentucky, out of my head. And I know that you know that's one that you just flush, and that's one that you just don't think about for a long time. But I'm pulling up his stats right now. How he followed that up last week, he had another three interception performance against yes, NC did. State, and that's how the Wolfpack were able to beat them with a backup quarterback. So. I don't know if it's just being snake bit. I don't know if it's just the yips right now, but give me Drake May in this straight up comparison. Well, when I, when I talked in the, the preseason about Wake Forest and what would hold them back, it's Sam Hartman and his picks, man. He, yep. he's gonna That team is going to go as far as he wants to take them. They're also going to be held back to the degree that his turnovers hold them back. That's just the MO for Sam Hartman. You take what yep. you get. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you're going to probably throw multiple interceptions every single game. That so yeah, you have the logical side here. Your your pick is backed by logic and reason. Mine is not. Uh, I'm just <laughs> leaning into what Vegas is maybe trying to communicate, and I might look and like usually that works. Usually that works. So. Or, or in my case, it doesn't work when I go away from it. So we'll see. Uh, let's let's move around now. The primary screen. So those are your three kind of featured games. We think a lot of implications are on the line. Let's go around the college football playoff contenders who, as you note, the top contenders all facing unranked opponents. But that doesn't stop you from putting some on upset alert, including number one, Georgia. They're 16 and a half point favorites on the road against Mississippi State, 6 p.m. on ESPN. You think Mike Leach might have something brewing for the dogs? Mississippi State is my lucky dog of the week, and I'm trying to not make this hot takey. 
but it's a 16 and a half point line in Starkville. We all know weird things happen in Starkville. That's just a fact of college football nature at this point. But I don't know. I'm just really struggling to find a reason to pick Georgia to cover this game. And I know the reason is that they just completely shut down the Mike Leach offense with better athletes and better, you know, scheme and better and just really frustrate Will Will Rogers, which they are certainly capable of doing. But I don't know. I just keep going back to that. I think this Mississippi State game is going to be a unique challenge. I think when Leach's offense is humming, they can score a ton of points in a hurry. So if Stetson Bennett has another two turnover game or three turnover game like we've seen from him, Mississippi State is certainly a team that can take advantage of that. Now, when Stetson had his turnovers against Tennessee, or when Georgia's offense, I should say, had their turnovers against Tennessee, game was already out of hand. And if that crowd's rocking, if those cowbells are ringing and Stetson throws an early pick and Mississippi State cashes in, it could turn into trouble. Now, I'm not picking Georgia to lose this game, but I do think Mississippi State covers the 16.5-point spread. And other than TCU going down to Austin, like, Definitely the most upset alert top contender this week. I I don't know that Georgia is on upset alert necessarily, but I agree. I think the chance that Mississippi State is competitive uh, maybe shocks them early. Maybe they come out and put 14 up on the board in two consecutive possessions. I think that's a very, very real possibility. That being said, I... you know, Mississippi State did nearly lose to Auburn last week at home. I think that there's a chance that the Bulldogs do bounce back and cover, but that being said, Georgia's secondary locked down Tennessee last week, and that is the most explosive dynamic offense. Not the weirdest look like you're going to see from some of the things that Mike Leach throws at you, but to lock down Hinden Hooker and his wide receivers the way that he did uh, he, uh, the collective they, uh, with Georgia's secondary, I think I like the Bulldogs. They've they flexed their muscle last week. I don't think this is a letdown situation coming off a big Tennessee win because there's still so much for them to prove, right? Their offense has not clicked on all cylinders. The defense, for whatever reason, continues to be slept on. They lost Nolan Smith in the pass rush a week or two weeks ago. It didn't affect their ability to get to Hendon Hooker I think Georgia is out for blood. I think they see the power vacuum that's left by Alabama and Clemson maybe starting to regress a little bit. I think Kirby Smart sinks the teeth in and goes out and gets another impressive win. So I just need 17 to cover. I'll go ahead and say, give me Georgia minus a 16 and a half. Again, I bet against Georgia on the road with a big line before. And I came up empty. So I'm just going to lean into the Bulldogs here. Give me Georgia. Uh, to to win outright obviously with those points number it's two a weird line for the underdog too like you're saying 16 and a half is a tough line to cover because you know late field goal late touchdown yeah takes that away so yeah it, it's a tough one i'm gonna lean into mississippi state though leach hasn't gotten his big shocker yet this year and he oh, always he seems to get his big shocker so whether that's this week whether that's uh i think hosting um, a top 10 Ole Miss maybe in the Egg Bowl. No, they go to Oxford, but maybe taking down Ole Miss in Oxford. I think he gets one of those two. That would be funny to watch. I'll give you that. Uh, number two, Ohio State. We can really just move past this quickly. Ohio State is 40-point favorites against Indiana. 11 a.m. on Fox if you decide to watch this for some unknown reason. 
Indiana literally doesn't know who their quarterback is. Jack Tuttle, after announcing he was going to be in the transfer portal at the end of this year, gets the start last week because Connor Bazelak was hurt. Jack Tuttle gets hurt in the second quarter, and then they ran with two young guys. A kid here from locally in Texas immediately threw a pick. They brought in another guy, their four-string quarterback. He threw two more picks in that shellacking against Penn State. So you kind of got to be able to score usually to cover spread. So it's a gigantic number. I hate taking it, but Ohio or Indiana rather down to a four-string quarterback potentially on the road. I think give me the Buckeyes to to get right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I didn't realize that Indiana had lost six straight um, coming into this one, and so I was yeah. looking at this game a little more closely. And you're right. They need to score points to cover in this one because Ohio State's definitely, I mean, I looked up the weather forecast, Garrett. I don't think there's any wind in the forecast. Um, but Indiana's only topped 24 points, I think, twice this year um so not a good look not really something that i'm excited to bet you on even giving up 40 points so i'm gonna take ohio state to cover this one number three michigan they host nebraska in another large spread wolverines are 29 and a half point favorites 2 30 p.m on abc uh does does nebraska have a shot here in your mind uh legit shot to win the game absolutely not they have a shot to cover um just if michigan decides for whatever reason to not run the ball right down their throats every single play. But if Michigan sticks with the game plan that they have shown to be really, really good at, then I think this is an easy cover barring some weird backdoor situation with the backups in. So I'm taking Michigan minus the big number as well. And look, Michigan and Ohio state, I said it on the recap pod, both of their seasons start on November 26th. If they even if they stub their toe somehow before that, they went on November 26th, they're in the Big Ten championship and largely highly likely in the playoffs. So they can sleepwalk through this one. I still think they cover. Because of that, I wonder if maybe Michigan takes their foot off the gas at the end. Uh, it's a large number. They are at home, but in a run shortened game where both sides like to run the football. 30 points is a lot to ask. It is a lot. It is so a lot. I, I'm going to just underthink express. I'm going to go with that. I think it's not even close, but somehow, whether it's backdoor, whether everyone just runs out of time, I think Nebraska covers this spread plus 29 and a half. Give me the Huskers for whatever reason on the road. Um, now, as you know, the next tier of, of CFP contenders who not ranked in the top four, but certainly have all to play for. And there is a game that has massive implications out West. We talked about Oregon, how they've improved. One of their biggest tests to date comes on Saturday, 6 p.m. on Fox. The Ducks will host number 24, Washington. Uh, Ducks are 13 and a half point favorites at home in Autzen Stadium. Great win for Washington coming back last week from behind to beat Oregon State. Do they have enough, though, to top the Ducks on the road? I just, you know, we started so impressed with Washington this year. And a lot of that was based on them just shellacking Michigan State when Michigan State was flirting with the top 10 early in the season. Boy, that feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. Um, That was when, uh, yeah, just so much has changed since then. We obviously know that that Michigan State team was very flawed. 
And I think a lot of perception, now they did get a good win against Oregon State. I will give them that. But a lot of our perception of Washington as this challenging team is really based on just shellacking a bad Michigan State team, I think. So you look at them against UCLA, you look at them even against Arizona State and their other loss against the high-octane offenses that they face, they have really, really struggled to keep up. Now, that doesn't mean they won't move the ball. That doesn't mean they won't score points on Oregon, but... I just think Oregon's too good. I think Oregon races out in front in this one and just kind of runs away and hides. Probably a lot of yards and points put up by Washington, but not enough to keep it within two scores. So I'm taking the Ducks minus 13 and a half. And yeah, they're looking, the Ducks are just looking really, really good right now. It's hard to bet against them. I completely agree. Oregon's defense has also stepped up, looked pretty impressive. So I'm going to ride with the Ducks uh, minus the points as well. And the Huskies haven't exactly been shutting anybody down. Like when Cal no. scores 20, 21 on you, when Arizona scores 39, we, I mentioned the Arizona State debacle. Like, yeah, I, I'm expecting Bo Nix to have a really, really nice game. Oh, that Arizona State game was so disappointing, especially <laughs> considering what the Sun, Sun Devils decided to wear in that game. Uh, back to the SEC, LSU is top of mind for everybody around the country after their win over Alabama. They roll into the playoff rankings at number seven. Uh, They're three-point favorites on the road against Arkansas, an 11 a.m. game on ESPN. Is this a bounce-back game for Arkansas after losing to Liberty last week? They've certainly got to have a bad taste in their mouths at home. Is it a letdown spot for LSU? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that this is the most that LSU has had to play for since 2019, which is a lifetime if you're an LSU fan because you're just used to a lot of success, always being at least relevant. Brian Kelly has kind of taken the college football world by storm. I'm going to say that LSU is playing with a whole lot of swagger. They win outright. Give me LSU minus the points. LSU minus three is my stone cold lock of the week. And it is a weird situation for them. Arkansas was obviously looking ahead to this game last week. I think we can pretty confidently say that they were overlooking the flames and looking forward to this rivalry game against LSU. And yeah, it's going to be a letdown spot from just a huge emotional win over Alabama on the last play of the game. But LSU's offense is just clicking right now. Jaden Davis, even if he's having to do it by himself, he is doing a great job of being a one man wrecking crew. So just enough offense or a lot of offense and just enough athleticism on defense to kind of keep KJ Jefferson bottled up. Yeah. I like the Tigers in this one. Again, the intangible of controlling your own destiny in the sec West and for the college football playoff. I don't think that can be undersold in this one. It's a lot of pressure. Brian Kelly's been there before though. And he usually takes care of business when his teams have pressure on him. I'll Other than the college football playoff. I was <laughs> going to say. Before the college football playoff, when they're trying to get there, <laughs> uh, he usually takes care of business. Yeah, typically if there isn't a ranking in front of that team, uh, you're you're pretty, pretty good to go if you're in Brian Kelly's camp. So obviously trying to change that narrative now at LSU. Give me LSU. Uh, you don't have to play the sound again, but I think they're probably my stone cold lock of the week as well. I, I just, I don't really see how Arkansas is able to win this. Even if they play their best game, I still think LSU is, is, is better than they are. 11 a.m. Uh, kick too. And the crowd's yeah. just not yeah. going to be into it after they lost to Liberty last week. So yeah, I, I'm all in on the Tigers. Yeah. I don't know how hard Arkansas fans had to scrub their eyeballs to try and erase that, 
that memory of, of losing to the Flames, but uh, I don't think it was I don't think it's going to work this week. Louisville on the road at number 12 or number 10 Clemson, I should say. Clemson's seven point favorites, 2.30 p.m. ESPN. This is such a weird game. Louisville is suddenly red hot. They have redeemed themselves, at least in the win column, from the absolute stinker to the start of the season. Clemson, uh, meanwhile, has disappointed us for weeks, but it just finally caught them with an L last week against Notre Dame, and it could not have been more of an overwhelming loss for Dabo and crew in South Bend. I'm not surprised Clemson's favored because obviously they're a much better team at home in this situation. But I tell you what, man, like Louisville has been kind of my microwave team of the year. They're just stone cold and all of a sudden they heat up again. And Malik Cunningham looks like that dude, uh, the guy that, that Garrett put all his chips into the middle of the table with, with, with the ACC. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> I don't know that Louisville wins this, but tell me how Clemson confidently outscores Louisville in this. Now, now you could say, hey, Louisville might not score that many points because Clemson's defense is that great. I'll point to last week. Clemson just gave up 263 yards on the ground when Notre Dame can't throw the football, right? You pointed that out in the recap. That's not a dynamic offense being run in South Bend right now, and yet they were able to line up and beat Clemson's guys man-on-man. Louisville plays a much different style. They're going to spread you out. They go with a lot of speed and a lot of tempo. I think they keep it close enough to at least maybe have it on the second channel, right? So give me Louisville plus the seven. I'll take the multiple outcomes here. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and the reasoning is really similar. I Louisville's really impressed me after their really awful start. Now, they lost to Boston College back at the beginning of October in a game that Malik Cunningham got hurt in. Yeah. And since then, all they've done is just really take care of business in a really impressive way. And it's been the offense scoring a lot of points, but also the defense stepping up. The most points they've given up was, uh, since they lost to Boston College, the most points they've given up is only 21 to Wake Forest. So you're telling me that the dynamic offense, that's I think can score points on Clemson, They're going to run the ball and they're going to commit to running the ball. And obviously, like you said, Clemson struggled with that last week against Notre Dame. That combined with a defense that's been really stout and honestly really impressed me against James Madison last week, only giving up 10 points. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the Cardinals plus seven and I'm feeling pretty confident about it. Now, have we heard anything about the quarterback situation? Are we still rolling with DJU or... I haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything. So I'm assuming DJU is still the guy. You made a good point on the last show. They came off a bye and got blown out by Notre Dame. So they had two weeks to get Cade every yeah. rep he needed to win that job, and he didn't do it. Yeah. So he, he wasn't su- ready. He uh, wasn't. It's super clear he's not ready for that. And yeah. I agree with Dabo in a season that in all likelihood is lost. If your guy is not ready, don't hurt his confidence, right? You're yeah. playing for the future now. Let DJU ride this out. And if DJU, we never wish this on anybody, obviously, but if he gets hurt and you have to throw Kate in, then do it. But yeah, don't don't hurt the kid's confidence. Agreed. That that drives me nuts when fan bases bail on the incumbent because he's not getting it done in exchange for a guy who's clearly not ready for the job. And it happens every single year around the country. You have that it is not as easy as plugging your controller in and playing Madden. It's just not. Uh, and so to treat, you know, 
guys in real game situations like it is, is, is just wrong. Uh, so Kate is not ready. He's a very talented quarterback. We'll be, we'll have, I think a higher ceiling than DJU does, but he's not ready right now. Let's go around the game of, uh, game of five group of five. And you and I were really rooting for college game day yes. to go to new Orleans, to go. Street, to it was just such a great opportunity. Have it on bourbon street. Have Seriously. it, you know, French Quarter, wherever you want to have it. It's just perfect, guys. Lean what are we doing? into it. I know. Instead of going to Austin, which, li- listen, TCU deserves all the hype, deserves all the praise. Texas, they're coming on strong right now. But let's have a little bit of variety in college game day. For goodness sakes, that's what makes that show special. They didn't do it this week. It is what it is. Uh, number 22, UCF on the road in New Orleans against number 16, Tulane. 2.30 p.m. kick on ESPN2. My analysis is very simple. As we sit here on election night, forget the red wave, forget the blue wave <laughs> in the political realm, vote green wave 2022. Give me to yes. Lane in just a, uh, really a Cinderella story. Two and 10 a season ago. They've turned around this year. Michael Pratt is healthy. They're doing good things. Give me to Lane minus the two to win the game of the year in the group of five. All right, so Delilah Berrios is going to win the uh, governorship of Texas. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> Shout out to my Texas history students who learned that who that is this week. Um, yeah. But listen, I didn't get to say this for Clemson. I neglected to mention it. Clemson's been very bad against the spread this year as well. I think they're, they're sub 500. Tulane conversely has been very, very good against the spread. I believe they're eight and one or seven, one and one or something like that. So yeah, I'm riding the green wave as well. Tulane minus two looking like they're going to be the team that represents the G5 in the New Year's six. Which would be great. I mean, hey, Tulane yeah. coming to the Cotton Bowl? Why not? Let's go. Come we on. could go watch that. Yeah, buy a ticket. Let's go. That's right. All right. Over to second screen games. We'll weave group of five games in as well. I've got some fun ones. There's a couple of games going on right now as we're recording this podcast. So obviously everything we say will be uh, you know, late as far as timing goes, but still a lot on the line as far as early week action goes. We'll get into that in just a minute. Let's start, though, in the shadow realm. Uh, what everybody is talking about, one of the favorite bits that we have on this show. Number 21, Illinois hosting Purdue. Six and a half point favorites are the Fighting Illini. It's an 11 a.m. kick, ESPN 2. I so badly want to take Burt Ball, and yet what they made me watch last week against Michigan State was just depressing. Um, I think I think logically I want to say that Burt gets the guys ramped up that they still have all to play for in the Big Ten West. This game kind of is a de facto Big Ten West championship game if Iowa slips up again. Now, if they don't, Iowa's still technically alive, but I I like this game. I think the winner of the Big Ten West comes out of this game. I really, really want to believe that it's Illinois and Chase Brown runs it all over the field against the spoiler makers, but Purdue has a history of wrecking shop in these situations. So I think if I was picking this game outright, just money line, I think I would still take Illinois, but six and a half to me in big 10 football, slug it out. Aiden O'Connell, if he gets right, he can throw all over that defense. Give me the spoiler makers with a frowny face plus the six and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, Maybe not the frowny face because I'm enjoying the chaos that is the Big Ten West this year, and I'm just rooting for more and more. 
So if we could conceivably get, you know, a three or four way tie at four and three after <laughs> this weekend, I'm absolutely here for that. So uh, I'm going to take Purdue plus six and a half. I think they win this game outright. I think the luster is starting to wear off of Illinois a little bit. Purdue has been solid on defense, surprisingly, this year. That was definitely not something that we were expecting. But, you know, I, I think that they win this game outright. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think Purdue's going to win this game outright and just sh- shove the Shadow Realm into even more just utter chaos. I'm I'm really hoping Illinois wins because it, at the end of the day, like, I think if we go into more and more chaos, it just becomes so apparent that whoever comes out of the East might win by 50 which sure. is not fun for anybody. Uh, but also because I just, I've, you know, I was on the Minnesota bandwagon and then I kind of hopped on the Purdue bandwagon is like, oh, okay, they're actually legit this year. This is my third stop in the Big Ten West. I really, I don't want to have to, you know, give up my seat again. Uh, I'm not saying the ship is sinking in Champagne, but, you know, we're bailing some water out of, out of the gully, right? Like we, we've got buckets and mops are, are in hand right now. So, I want to believe in Illinois, uh, and I, I like I said, I would pick them to win if you just made me pick one of the two teams, but six and a half is a little rich for my blood. I think we need the most sickos matchup possible. Like It is going to be a blowout. <laughs> Whatever happens, whoever gets wins the lottery and ends up in Indianapolis, it's going to be an absolute just you know yeah. crap show. But um, I want the most sickos matchup possible. I think that's Iowa. Probably. Um, it could be Purdue. I could be, you know, you could make a case for all of these teams being the most sickos matchup, but yeah, it's going to be a blowout no matter what. So give me the most just ridiculous team to show up. And I think that's either Iowa or Purdue. So that's what I'm rooting for. I may have to sneeze in a second. So if I do just take it and run with it, we're going to Maryland at Penn state, Penn state, a top 15 team. They are 10 and a half point favorites. When we snag this line, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Maryland has all kinds of issues, including uh, is Talia fully healthy? Uh, and I'm actually not even sure if he's going to play in this game. Penn State minus 10.5. It, it feels kind of no-brainer for me. Plus, they're at home. Are, are we walking into a trap here? I, I don't think so, especially with the quarterback questions of Maryland. Uh, Look, Maryland's been a really nice story this year. They jumped out, I think, to like a 6-2 and two record. They looked yeah. really, really good at times doing it. But, yeah, I, I don't think – I think they're going to struggle. I think what you see a lot of times – it seems like every year in the Big Ten East, there's one team that looks – you're like, oh, they look really, really good. And then they run into the Big Three, and you're just like, why are we putting them on the same field? So yeah. Maryland is that team this year. They are fourth in the Big Ten East, and they are the token – wow, they look really good until they run into the top three. So I don't think Penn State has much of an issue at all in this one, and I think they cover relatively easily. Yeah, I think I think 14 points is kind of the floor for a, a Penn State victory in my mind. So I'll roll with the Nittany Lions as well. Over to the Big 12, number 23, Kansas State, looking to rebound after their home loss to Texas. They go to Waco to take on the Baylor Bears. Bears are three-point favorites, 6 p.m. on FS1. Now, we differ here. Uh, Kansas State, as I mentioned, looking to bounce back. They threw us a curveball last week when they started Adrian Martinez instead of the guy that just went out and dominated in Will Howard. Um, Baylor went out and beat OU. 
and I did not expect it. I apologize to my Baylor Bears for uh, lacking faith. I thought that OU would win in a shootout, and instead it was Baylor who edged the Sooners out. So momentum kind of going in opposite directions. Like I said, we're on different teams. Explain why you're picking Kansas State plus three on the road. I think they have a more dynamic offense, and I've beat that point to death with Baylor this year. Now, (laughs) Baylor is really impressing me over these last few weeks. They're on a really nice win streak over Kansas, at Tech, and at Oklahoma. That is... South of Fort Worth, they might be the hottest team in the conference. But I don't know. I just can't get over what I know about Baylor, and that's they're struggling to develop it. It's starting to emerge, and I think they do have some really nice dudes to the future. But if this turns into a track meet, then I like Kansas State. Now, would I feel more confident if it was Will Howard instead of Adrian Martinez? Yeah, I absolutely would. But um, I think Deuce Vaughn can win this one. I think Deuce Vaughn can take care of business and uh, go down to Waco and steal this one from the Bears. So I'm going to take K-State plus three, and I think that, uh, yeah, they have a really good shot at winning outright. Now, Baylor's run defense and their pass rush has has really surprised me the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to say that they stopped Deuce Vaughn, but if you're not starting Will Howard, to me, Baylor gets to key in on the run. And if you take away the deep shots, that's what has has beaten Baylor in the past is when you can spread that secondary out and you hit them multiple different ways, that's when I think you make it hard for Baylor's offense to keep track, to keep up with the scoring, right? That's that's what West Virginia did. On the road, West Virginia uh, hosted Baylor and hit them both through the air and they they ran the ball kind of effectively as well, but you never really knew what West Virginia was going to call. Here, even though you've got a much better running back in Deuce Vaughn, I still think Baylor gets to key in on the run. And and that being said, if Adrian Martinez or maybe they trot Will Howard out there, I don't know. If they're able to throw, I think it swings in my mind back to Kansas State. But Baylor's the hot team right now. They're at home. They still have a chance. They still actually control their destiny to get to Dallas to play as that two seed in the Big 12 championship game. They're tied. There's three teams in second place right now, Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas. Baylor still has both of those games in front of them. They end the season with Texas. So to me, I think Baylor is still controls their destiny, still has a little bit more to play for. I'm going to say the Baylor Bears win this one, maybe even going away. This might be a game where you look up and Baylor's up by 10 to 14. And to me, I would go like, oh, okay, that's kind of surprising. But yeah, makes sense. They're motivated. They're on fire. They're playing for each other. Sick them. Yeah, and... That wouldn't really necessarily surprise me either. The thing I just keep coming back to with Baylor, though, is yes, they've looked really, really good over the last three weeks. They have not exactly played a murderer's row of defenses. No, they haven't. (laughs) I don't think that anyone's confusing Kansas, Tech, and Oklahoma with being elite on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, they've shown that they can score on bad defenses. Even the West Virginia loss, they put up 40 and inexplicably gave up 43 in Morgantown. But I'm waiting for them to see it against a good defense. Kansas State has a good, borderline great defense for the Big 12. So impress me, Baylor. Uh, I'm just waiting to see it against – I'm giving you the props. You've done it against the bad lower half defenses, but let's see it against a really good defense, and I'll be fully back on the bandwagon. Oh, we're we're so close, Baylor Nation. Let's get him back. Let's let's bring our boy home. Florida State, number 25 in the country, six and a half point uh, favorites over 
The Syracuse Orange, 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Will it actually be on the main page? Who could say? Tune in and find out. (laughs) Florida State looks awesome. They blew the doors off Miami last week. Uh, You had five-star wide receiver Brandon Ennis, who was a guest of Miami, tweeting about that. He said the pregame was fun to watch. And that about summed it up. Uh, both, Both one of the most disrespectful and disheartening things I think a recruit can say about your program Uh, when you get blown out by your biggest in-state rival. Florida State's got all the momentum. Syracuse is going backwards. Garrett Schrader got hurt last week. Even with Schrader, that offense is really starting to slow down. And the poor defense, they can't do it all on themselves. The play calling of Robert Anai has just confused the heck out of me. Sometimes Sean Tucker's the feature. Sometimes, like Sean McDonough said, he's in witness protection program. So what Syracuse shows up, I will say they're at home, which... Rest in peace to the character formerly known as the Carrier Dome. Uh, They've played well there. But with maybe not a fully healthy Garrett Schrader, if he is able to go, give me Florida State. They're the hot team. They've got a lot to play for as they seem like they're turning that battleship around. Finally, all of the Mike Norvell hate has started to simmer. Give me the Knowles minus six and a half. No notes on that analysis, man. Like I, I think FSU... I yeah, they they're legitimately good this year. I think they're the second or maybe not second, but third or fourth best team in the ACC. And they've shown to be really really consistent uh down this back half of the schedule. So, yeah, I think I don't think they have much of a problem rolling into Syracuse. I think Syracuse is kind of reeling right now ever since that uh Clemson game kind of started them in that spiral. So, yeah, I'm I'm taking Florida State and I'm really confident that they win by at least a touchdown. All right, well, let's jump into a couple more group of five games of note, and I'm actively pulling up the scores for these games because, as I mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so some of these games are in action. You've got Eastern Michigan currently up by 10, 17-7 over Akron, and Ohio has jumped out to a seven-point lead over Miami of Ohio. Now, I, with the two games of note tonight, Eastern Michigan-Akron is one thing, but then you've got Ball State Toledo that's also playing later tonight. If you did not get to go watch these games live on Tuesday night, maybe you were out doing something else, maybe you were watching the election, go back, watch the highlights of these games. I'm betting by the time that you listen to this, they will have been really, really good games in the MAC. Uh, Ohio minus two and a half for me is, uh, it honestly could have been my stone cold lock of the week. Curtis Rourke looks really good throwing the football for them. And Miami of Ohio, while they've had really good moments at times, they just haven't been all that consistent this year. Ohio smells blood in the water. They can win the Mac. uh, Is it the Mac West, the Mac East? They, uh, they can at least put themselves in the driver's seat to win the Mac East with a victory tonight. Conversely, as ball state and Toledo is kicking off as we speak, Ball State plus, it was plus 11 when I grabbed this line an hour before hitting record on this show. It was bet up three additional points in favor of Toledo by the time we hit record on the show. So all the money poured in on Toledo, that's because Daquan Finn, I believe, is healthy and is starting for Toledo, which he's a, a dual threat quarterback. That being said, he he's not been particularly healthy. Took a big shot on the final play of that Buffalo game. He's been kind of leaky since, did not get the start uh, the, the week prior. 
Um, and ultimately they did win over Eastern Michigan, but they did not cover a quarterback coming back from injury. I don't know that he's going to be super sharp and ball state can score it a little bit. So I think Toledo does find a way to win, uh, on the, in, in what is a de facto, what is the de facto championship game in the Mac West. So I think Toledo will take that crown, but give me ball state to at least cover. keeps things interesting. Mac is always so fun this time of year. Like I just love turning it on on Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And yeah. just, they're always all teams flirting with bowl eligibility too. So sure. it's regional rivalries. It's, maybe the only truly regional conference that we have left uh, when you look at future realignment, factoring that in. So lots of regional rivalries, Ohio and Miami is a great rivalry game. So yeah, it's just so fun to watch all these teams flirting with bowl eligibility. So I'm right there with you. I think Ohio looks really, really good. They kind of look like the class of the conference at this point, Toledo, if they can get their quarterback back really scary on offense. So, they could be a team that, depending on who they get matched up with in bowl season, could cause a lot of problems, uh, maybe even for a bigger program. Um, but yeah, those Wednesday night games are looking good, too. I like that Buffalo-Central Michigan game probably the most. I think my Buffalo Bulls, uh, they've just been kind of an adopted late darling for me after they started sure. out 0-3 and just have gone, had a really nice run since then, going 5-1. and So hopefully they can get the bowl eligibility and finally uh, get that last nail in the coffin of that. You know what? Out of respect of you for you, because we are going to talk about that game just a little bit in the ledger because it's one of my picks. I did not know that you were also on the bulls train. So I'm going to swap that. I'm going to, I was betting, I was giving you the chips tonight in the nice. ledger. I'll, I'll, I'll turn that around. So we'll get there uh, in just a minute. East Carolina, on the road against Cincinnati, Cincinnati lost that game in the bounce house against UCF. It felt like that was their one shot to really compete with Tulane still as the favorite in the group of five. They lost that game, took a step back. East Carolina has been really hot offensively. Do they offer any quarter to Cincinnati on Friday night on ESPN2? Yeah, they absolutely do. They have a really good chance to go up and uh, just spit right in the bowl of Skyline Chili. So... <laughs> The Pirates are good this year, too, man. There's a lot of just really good stories around the country when it comes to uh, just programs that haven't been at the level that they want to be and are finally getting to that level this year. So ECU is not elite by any stretch of the imagination, but the Pirates are playing really good football and they have a great chance to win on Friday night. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think I think the Pirates are maybe a spicy little pick plus five. Uh, Rice at Western Kentucky as well. Rice fighting for bowl eligibility. We talked about that on the last show. Western Kentucky is finally breaking out the big red top helmets that yes. they've been. I, and I knew they were they were leading up to this all year on social media. They were teasing you, telling the fans, "Hey, vote for whichever helmet you want to vote for." Let's see what what they end up wearing on Saturday. It was clear. It was clear that America's favorite was the helmet with big red on it. <laughs> They finally have a big social media reveal. They're wearing them this weekend. They look fantastic as alternate lids. Does Rice get bowl eligible this week, or is kind of the hype on the hilltop a little, little too strong? The hype on the hilltop is way too strong. It's it's Western Kentucky by 100 this week, man. Yeah. Like If you've seen those helmets, it is something to behold. And yeah, there's just too many positive vibes. I love the story of Rice. I really hope they find a way to get bowl eligible, bowl eligible but... Man, their clothes is so tough. Uh, it's Western Kentucky, UTSA, UNT. That's just going to be a really tough close. 
Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> tell you what, we're rooting for your rice, but not necessarily betting that you make it to bowl eligibility. Uh, let's roll into the ledger now. So Garrett obviously couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, against me, he's taking LSU minus three versus Arkansas. So I've got to back the Razorbacks. And then, uh, Trey, you've got to back Virginia Tech against Duke. The Blue Devils, nine and a half point favorites. That's a hapless, that's a hapless bet. Two and seven Virginia Tech. I mean, they truly cannot score the football. Yeah, that, not a lot of positives to take from my position on that one. I was heavily considering picking Duke as well in this yeah. uh, little competition. So I'm not excited about that one. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, go ahead and reel off your ledger picks. I believe you're winning in the standings right now as well. I think I am, and I'm going to try to keep that going this week. I am breaking one of my cardinal rules with my pick against you, Mitch, and I'll get to that in just a second. But against Garrett, I'm going to take the local team, the North Texas Mean Green. They're getting six points on the road at UAB, and UNT has just looked a lot better than UAB to me this year. So. Give me the better team in my mind, also catching six. So that seems like a really good bet to me. Uh, my cardinal rule after earlier this season was not picking a game that I have to wait around all day for. <laughs> um, but we haven't really been showing a lot of love to the Mountain West. And I wanted to talk yeah. a little Mountain West football here um, with this pick. Uh, San Jose State, the Spartans are going down to San Diego and they're two and a half point favorites. Um, this is the latest game that kicks off on the mainland. Hawaii is after them, but uh, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the Spartans minus two and a half at San Diego State. And they've quietly been a really solid team uh, in their division, really fighting for the top of that division out there. Yeah, the Mountain West, it feels like a lot of those teams, especially when like Boise State started down. Now they're not down currently. They're bowl eligible. They're playing decent yeah, football, Nice bounce but, back from the Broncos. Yeah. But the way they started the season, I think the way that we watched like Wyoming get the doors blown off against Illinois in week zero, it's very easy to count them out early. But you're right. I mean, there are some fun storylines. Air Force won the Commander in Chiefs trophy for the first time since 2016. So there's some good football being played in the Mountain West. Um, I, I think that's a good pick there. Listen, Brady Hoke had a great run last year. It was a fun story for the Aztecs. 2022 has not been the same experience. And so they can't I score. They, no, they just can't, they can't score at all. They, they can't. And that defense is just kind of when, when we watched Arizona do whatever they wanted offensively, it was a true signal that, okay, that, that 2021 experience was a fairy tale and let's remember it forever. Uh, especially the one in the Frisco bowl, but gosh, that's, you know, it, it's been a, a little bit of a tough ride for the Aztecs. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking you're going to have to sweat that one out. Uh, so I did switch mine. So against Garrett, I'm going to give him the Central Michigan Chips. They're fighting for bowl eligibility against our Buffalo Bulls, who are very much atop the MAC East standings. Now, uh, Buffalo got blown out last week by Ohio. So Ohio, I believe, still has the inside track there in the MAC East, but Buffalo can go a long way in making this a successful season. They got off to a horrendous start, could not score the football, kept turning it over every way uh, imaginable, and now they've started to right the ship. That win against Toledo early on in the season was a big one. If they can beat the chips and get some of that momentum going back in the right direction, I think that they're in a good place to at least continue to progress this football team. Um, you know, Ron Cook Jr. running the football. They've got Cole Snyder who's throwing it. 
a little bit inefficient from the quarterback position, but it kind of is what it is. This is an even game. So this is a straight up pick them. I'll take the bulls in that one. So Garrett will back the chips. You will have to roll with uh, South Florida, which listen, there's a trend where a coach gets fired and suddenly that team plays a lot better. So I'm kind of messing with fire here because I'm giving you a team that has nothing to lose and a gigantic number to cover. SMU minus 17 as the ponies go back to the Sunshine State. The last time they were there, they got victimized by UCF. Now they're two very, very different teams, but still SMU just scored all the points. There's a potential that they're worn out and that they used up all their ammunition a week ago in a rivalry game against Houston. But I couldn't, I just couldn't pass this up. Like I really want to bet against UCF or USF, excuse me, see if I can pick up a win. I've got nothing else to lose at this point. I'm in second in the ledger, but you're you're comfortably in the lead. So we'll see what we can get there. Uh, and, and I'm going to ride with the ponies here. I doubted them last week. I'd like to pay my recompense here. Yeah, I... The only thing that I'm looking forward to about backing USF is that get the bad coach monkey off your back. Yeah, um, and Jeff Scott is a bad coach. <laughs> yes, he he's god awful, and yeah, I think they'll play loose and play with nothing to lose. And SMU's defense isn't great, so 17 and a half is a lot for them to cover. So I will say, I think I'm a little more confident in USF covering than I am uh, Virginia Tech. So oh, for for sure, for sure. Look, listen. The ledger for for at least you and I has been swings with the group of five, and I personally would not have it any other way. So I will give love to teams that we don't get to talk about normally. Haven't talked about the Bulls uh, hardly at all this season, especially since Gary Bohannon went down midseason with an, uh, an injury. Um, so South Florida on their backup quarterback, on their backup coach <laughs> at <laughs> home against the Ponies that have everything rolling offensively. So uh, we will see. But tell you what, when you know, we, we played this game at the end of, of the episode last week. Who did you think had a better chance to lose? Obviously, we, we said probably Liberty would upset Arkansas if you had to pick one. But I don't think we really expected that to happen. And then Hugh Freeze did make it happen. So if you did have to put one team on upset alert as we end this episode, truly need to watch their back, who is it? Upset from the spread perspective it's texas but i don't think that's the spirit of the question no so upset from a pure just chaos standpoint and you know who should who who really needs to watch the back and could get have their season thrown into chaos this week you know i'll i'll say oregon i'll say oregon because washington could come out just guns a blazing in a rivalry game and we're still kind of waiting for Bad Bo to show up. He's been very, very good for the last few weeks, and if Bad Bo shows up against Washington, Washington can take advantage of it. So I'll say Oregon just to keep it spicy, but um, from a pure spread perspective, absolutely Texas. He's just Freddy Krueger. He's he's lurking in the shadows, right? Like yep. Just when you least expect him, there he is, um, ready to go. I'll say TCU. I think this is a little obvious, but... I really think that Texas could win this game outright. You know, I, I've not to beat the drum. What TCU is doing is so impressive. And yet you take a step back. They are in year one with a quarterback who has never proven to be dynamic or even a big game quarterback, right? I mean, like his track record is not, oh, uh, well, kind of the Bo Nix experience, right? Where 
he might not show up in several games, but then when you really need him to turn it on, oh, all of a sudden here he is, four touchdown passes, doesn't throw a pick, got, you know, 50, 60 yards on the ground. That's not been Max Duggan's MO. Now, could he have turned a new leaf? Sure, of course he could have. But I think going on the road to Texas, that that place is going to be rather hostile. Uh, this is a, a series that TCU has owned as of late. One thing that we haven't mentioned, uh, Gary Patterson's on the other sideline this year, right? Yeah, he's wearing big, Yeah, I don't know how we forgot to mention that because that's a huge, uh, huge X factor in this one. Exactly. I mean, you know, we we joked about it in the offseason. Those pictures of Patterson running out for the spring game in burnt orange looked like a bad filter had been applied to make purple turn burnt orange. But that's a reality, right? And TCU had Texas's number at home on the road in large part to what Gary Patterson did defensively. I'm not saying Sonny Dykes can't do that this week. I think that there's a really good chance that TCU holds chalk and they go ahead and win this game. But I do think that as far as really stomping out somebody's fire and, and not ending a season, but ending this magical run, I think the Longhorns could play spoiler this week as well. What do you think about UCLA hosting Arizona? Uh, you know, I think if it was in Tucson, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But Same. L- listen, UCLA is not going to win a lot of games by their defense. It's It's that offense. So in that way... I think that they're kind of built to win this game where, again, defense is going to be optional. Um, it's it's going to be true quarterback against quarterback. Um, you know, DTR against Jaden DeLara. Give me DTR every every time in that battle. For so, sure. uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's certainly a potential that that fish nation rolls in and, and causes a little a little chaos. But I think I'll, I'll pick UCLA there. I, I think they'll win. I don't know that it'll be a comfortable win, though. I, I could see that one getting a little crazy after dark. Yeah, all all twenty fans that that'll be there are going to be <laughs> sweating. Uh, just just kidding, UCLA. You, you guys, since you have that weird quarter system with your students, since actually you got students back on campus, your attendance has been much better. But uh, last question for you, just as a homer, do the Rangers sign Jacob Degrom here in a week? Oh gosh, I hope so. That that would be so exciting. <laughs> that that would be so so exciting. So I'm hoping, if not him, then we get a good free agent splash as a starting pitcher and resign That's Martin right. Perez, please. Just resign him. Let him be your number two or number three, and hit go. Like just hit press start. Let's go. All right, guys. Well, that will do it for our week 11 preview here on the three tech. Again, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at three tech pod and hit that subscribe button. If you are not already doing so for Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, who will be with us next time. I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks for listening until next time. So long, everybody. (laughs) 